They tested the bombs before they did this, and they worked great. They actually used a specific kind of wristwatch from a company. And when the hands would reach a certain time, they were made of metal, and it would cause the current to happen, and then the bombs would go off. So they literally ordered like a 99 or 100 of these wristwatches, all right? In between the time that they had tested their bombs and the wristwatches arriving, the company had decided in a cost-cutting measure to change the way they made the wristwatches. They changed the arms, the hour and minute hands, and they were now plastic and just spray-painted to look like they were metallic. So the bombs didn't go off like they'd hoped. And so that's when they went into the school. for joining us yet again. Ben, today is not going to be a cheery one. No. I laugh, but I shouldn't laugh because it's just, it's not going to be cheery. So today's subject, we had a couple different things when we scheduled things out, but we decided to talk upon, we had two things. What was the other one we were going to talk about? And then I made the decision to go with this cheery. Errors in the Bible. Oh yeah, errors in the Bible. So we're going to we're going to switch biblical gears a little bit and go more on the conspiratorial side of the coin for this show. We're actually going to talk about mass shootings, huh. which kind of ties into Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. You know, we get these big, huge gatherings, and obviously our world has significantly changed from a terrorism and mass shooting and all that. Terrorism is another show, but, um, and what an interesting show that would be. Yeah. I just remembered this. We would, it was when the Final Four was in Indianapolis a few years ago. And we were at the concert, the free concert. I think it was Zach Brown. It was a big Ooh, be good. country concert. And we looked on the roof of all the buildings around, and there were snipers. There were snipers on the there roof? There were snipers on the <laughs> Indiana's not playing around. And I was like, holy cow. They probably had some kind of threat nobody knew about. Yeah. They yeah. got they received or something. Yeah, it was like, but I, the weird thing, seeing that, I felt safe. Yeah, at least they, like, either, yeah, yeah, I would understand that. And, like, they know, they're prepared. Sure. Was that fairly soon after Las Vegas? I, I can't remember. When were we talking? Oh. Vegas was 2017. Which is crazy to think that's been seven years ago. It might have been around, around there sometime. Yeah, that's, that's been seven years ago now. Maybe a little bit before then. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't remember when exactly the, what, what, when it was. Yeah. That's a crazy story. I was yeah. thinking into that. I think, I don't know why I was digging into the Las Vegas shooting. Just weird. That is a very weird one. The other day, they even helped him carry his bags to his room, I think, or something yeah. like that. Something ridiculous. Yeah. And he physically screwed the door shut and put barrier, like a barricade on the door so people couldn't get in easy. And yeah, that he had really scouted it out. It was, and yeah, it was He'd weird. scouted out a couple different events around the country. I forget some of the other areas that he had scouted out, but... Yeah, the wonder if he was with MK Ultra. Oh, there it is. <laughs> you beat me to it. Yeah, no, that's and that's the conspiratorial part yeah. of this, right? So, you know, we're going to get into this today, which is some of these, much like some of the terrorist attacks that we've experienced in this country, some of these just feel a little too 
coincidental. Yeah. A little too planned. Yeah. Unexplained, if you will. And it gets into the whole quote unquote conspiracy theory of MK Ultra government training, planning, CIA, gun control, yeah. all that stuff. And I think those are some important conversations that we do need to have. Trigger control. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's a mess. There's not there's no really good answers for some of these questions, right? Because I have to tell you, I am actually in the camp of I do not believe that there should be any record that at least goes to the government of who owns what firearm. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of people would just ga- are probably gas gassed at that idea, but yeah. I don't think so because it that defeats the whole purpose. And and we, like we talked about, I guess it was two weeks ago now, the whole deal that's happening down in Texas yeah. is a perfect example of how we violated the Second Amendment. Yeah. Which, let's just get the, we're going to talk about some of these mass shootings and go through the history of it. This is a, a another thing that's an area for me where I have been through a ton of training on this, actually, because of what my profession has been for a long time. And so I've sat through many different training sessions on how to handle mass shootings, how to prevent mass shootings, what the science is behind mass shootings as far as the psychology and how they approach it and things like that. I've been, been around this and played in this world now for 20 years, unfortunately, because it's been every bit of that long. Yeah. Just about anyway. But yeah, it's pretty insane. I know for us, we had mass shootings that actually happened before Columbine, but it seems like Columbine was a very defined marking point Yeah, where things really started to go crazy. And I have a graph pulled up right here. Obviously, you guys can't see. And this is the from the Rockefeller Institute of Government, so take that as you will. <laughs> Rockefeller doesn't carry the same kind of <laughs> credibility that it used to have, but I, I think that you can trust some of this data. I was looking at it, but it's literally a trend lines from 1966 all the way to it looks like 2022. And you can see that the trend line is going going up. We're averaging now about Oh, I don't know, 17 to 20 mass shootings a year. Now, in order to qualify as a mass shooting, the criteria is that you have to have at least three three homicides. Yeah. Three people have to die, and I don't think that counts the shooter in order to qualify as a mass shooting. That's crazy. Yes. It's crazy. <clears throat> I remember when Columbine happened, and I, I when I heard it, I, I laughed like I couldn't believe it. I know. It's so crazy. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Because when I went to school, I can't remember if it was my junior year or senior year, they told us we could no longer have gun racks in the trucks. Yeah. And that's, that's insane that if you send that to a kid now, they would be like, you could have a gun in your truck. Yeah. And and we got mad about it. Yeah. It's like, why? And not one time did any of us ever thought about going and getting that gun and shooting anybody because we knew better. Yeah. We live in a very reactionary society. Yeah, we do. You know, look what we did after 9-11 too. It's like, well, we're going to put guns in all the cockpits and yeah. Yeah. Let's take your pick on how you feel about that. But yeah. And they haven't caught one terrorist with the TS. (laughs) Well, of course it's that cat's out of the bag. Now we got to wait another 20, 30 years before we try that again. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I was a horrible, not fun. But I was, and then we're getting off the topic of mass shootings and more into terrorism. But 
I was uh, finishing up. I'm going to be actually speaking at the Indiana Health and Safety Conference for my other business at the end of the month. And I was finishing the presentation that I was going to give. And one of the examples I was using for communication and accountability was actually a story that most people don't even know, which is it's actually the deadliest aircraft aviation accident still to this day in history. And it happened in 1977 on a little airport in the Canary Islands called Tenerife, Tenerife, Tenerife. And it was involved two 747s that ran into each other on the runway. Oh, man. Yeah, and all but 61 people died. It killed like 538 people. Wow. Yeah, still the deadliest to this day. But interestingly enough, one of the little side bit, uh, tidbit, weird, strange things, coincidence, if you will, of that is it was a Dutch Airlines, a KLM plane that was a 747, and then the Pan Am 747. And the Pan Am 747 was the first ever 747 delivered to any airline. It was like whatever number off the assembly line was probably like two after the prototypes or whatever three and it was also the first one to be hijacked (laughs) it took them six months before they hijacked it wow maybe five months or something like that but yeah it's first first ever to be put out in service and the first to be hijacked wow yeah and totally that was actually the one that only 61 people did live that were in the front of that jet because the pilot had started to turn it off the runway because he knew the other guy was coming at least he saw at the very last minute that he was coming so he was able to at least get the front part of the 747 off, it's crazy. off the runway. Yeah, it's pretty pretty sad. Glad you're telling me after my wife's back. Yeah. <laughs> International travel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is, is an interesting... We were talking a little bit about this whole subject. So she was down in Mexico, which is interesting because of what we got going on the border. And then... But I just found it... I found it so fascinating that you were we were talking and you said that their fascination... They like were picking her brain about us yeah. as a country. Yeah. And one of the things that they zeroed in on was mass shootings. Yeah. Because that's what what they see. That's what they see. And she asked them, do you guys have any school shootings or mass? They said, no. They said, we had one, but it was stopped as a copycat that a kid seen from the news from America. (laughs) Go figure. And she asked, she goes, why don't you have this? They said, nobody can afford guns here. But keep them poor. I think it's, I think it's a yeah cultural deeper thing than just that. I'm going to get it off on a little tangent. This is what I was been thinking that very rarely is there just one ingredient <laughs> in the disaster stew. This is why I think they don't have that. The, they have other problems. That's their government and things, but like, the society, if mm-hmm. does that make sense? Like yeah. the normal guy, the everyday Joe. I think they have a deeper and better respect of their beliefs than we do. That she was, they went to Basilica and there was a priest blessing people. Mm. Yeah, they're very heavily Catholic. Yes, like one of the heaviest in the world. Yeah, even though yeah, even though they're Catholic, and well, I don't, but the fact that. The faith, you walk around and you see it everywhere. Yeah. In America, you don't see it. No, we've abandoned God. And I think God is protecting them in that way. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And I've thought about that and I was like, that makes a lot of sense. It does. She said that they were trying because the priest was dipping the rose or whatever in holy water and was sprinkling it on people. Mm -hmm. So the tour guide told Maria and Gabe, go get your blessing. 
And so they were like, okay. So they, and there was a nun. We just won't tell dad. <laughs> that's what they said. <laughs> there was a nun holding an umbrella in their way. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Every time they would move, she would move with the umbrella. Is it a, does that make it a numbrella? I guess a numbrella. <laughs> numbrella. And so finally, I think they did finally get it. Yeah. But they it just, the fact that they can go out in public and be blessed. If we did that here, they think you're crazy. Yeah, no, they would. Yeah, they think you're crazy. Yeah. Or there'd be mass protests saying that you, how dare you force your religion on me and yeah we we've we've completely abandoned god and we wonder why we have all these things yeah we just that that's a whole in a slew of things that we do that are just and we are cursed we are i agree with you we i'm gonna get on some probably step on toes but we are ran by women and children and that was one of the curses from the old testament and and what i mean by that is men don't do anything Really, men have been taken out of everything because men have dropped the ball of being the leader. Yeah, and I think this is by design too of the evil powers that be. Because if you can attack men, then you can destroy the family yeah. unit and you can weaken everything. Yeah, and that what you quoted right there was actually from Isaiah three twelve. I was pulling a Bible verse up while you were talking. Children will oppress my people; women will rule them. My people, your guides mislead you, and you don't know which way to go. Yeah. And I think that America is that. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. We have a, we've, we've completely attacked masculinity. Yeah. Let's, we've come up with this crazy cockamamie phrase of toxic masculinity, which is just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But yeah, like you even look around the church and we've given up all of our authority. Oh yeah. And we've put it all on the girls to do. And the girls are tired. Yeah. Like I, I can tell you in almost every church that I've ever been a part of, they are just eager for men to step up and help because they're tired of doing it all. I'm tired too. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. That's it, it's, and I'm young. I know that I think about that all the time. I think I made a comment to you. I'm like, what are we going to feel like when we're in our sixties? Yeah, I know. Seventies. And man, I tell you what, we're, we are, I just, the verse that keeps coming to my mind over and over again is. If you, if you guys will seek my face and turn away from your wicked ways, I'll hear you from heaven and I'll heal your land. Yeah. And we're not turning away from our wicked ways no. and we're not praying to, praying to God and he ain't healing our land. No. It's just going further in the toilet. And it, it makes perfect sense too, because all of the societies that have gone down these paths before us have all wound up falling apart. Yep. And you can go no further than the history book that is the Bible. Yeah, everybody wants to, everybody that poo-poos the Bible needs to go read the Bible, at least from a history perspective, right? I want you to believe what's in there because it's true, but at least read it from a historical perspective because you can't argue with the history. Nobody says the book's not accurate from a historical perspective. I've never zero times heard that argument. Yeah. Like when it comes to like history. Granted, you go back far enough and they'll like, okay, it's not historically accurate from the flood and that, but when it comes to Rome and all those things that we can clearly have record of. They don't argue that. No. So when you go read the letters to the Romans and the Corinthians and the church in Ephesus and all of these areas, it, they could be written for us today. Yeah. It reads like a letter that Paul would write to America. Yeah. And that's because that's how depraved we have become. Yeah. And we let, we don't do anything to no. protect. No, we don't. We put armed guards in our banks. <laughs> 
but yeah. we don't put armed no. guards in our schools. Yeah, which is insane that we even have to do that, right? But that's just where we are. And uh, yeah, so that was that was 1999 when Columbine happened. Yeah, April 20th of 1999. Literally, this is the 25th anniversary this year. And there, and it's just gotten worse since then. Oh, uh, it has completely gotten worse. So, again, looking at our chart here, you go to 1999. Let's see, 96, 97. So that year there were 15, and I would be willing to bet you that a lot of things happened after that. I remember a lot of things happening after that because every psycho messed up in the head kid was like encouraged by that because we give them all this press. Um, And then they see it and they're like, cool, I can do that too. And then they go do it and then we have a bunch of mass shootings. You know what I think also has taken fighting out of school? (laughs) No, yeah, I can can understand. There was a, my brother... Yeah, because even if you're defending yourself, you'll get thrown out too. Yeah. My brother, his, we went to the same high school, but he was a few years older than me. And there was a principal that was there when he was there. And it, if you guys got into a fight after school, he would invite the entire school to the gym and they would give the guys boxing gloves. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And they would fight it out. <laughs> yeah, I know there's going to be people listening to that going, oh my gosh, that's just so barbaric. That's, yeah, you, would you rather them shoot it out or, and then kill other or people? Punch it out. And usually after they did that, they became friends. Yeah, guys are like that. Girls are not like that. Yeah. Girls are weird that way. They like, if they get into, first of all, guys are very like structured when they fight. Typically, it's not no holds barred. I'll yeah. bite you in your kneecaps and yank your wang if I have to in order yeah. to win. I will just because I was taught that way, but <laughs> like I'll do whatever I need to do to win. But girls, it is no holds barred. Yeah. Like I will claw your eyes out of your out of your face if that's what it takes i will claw them straight out yeah. of your eyes i will pull your hair out i will smash your head against the locker yeah but the guys can do that and then be cool afterwards yeah it's like we get it out of us chicks are modal em- enemies for the rest of yes. their lives yes. after that yes <laughs> like they are just uh, we're done forever and we and i think we try to put every kid in a box this is yeah, how yeah. a kid is supposed to yeah be I, and you have varying kids between your four, and we've got varying kids here between our three, and that is ridiculous. Yeah. They're different. Yeah. Yeah. I was, some of you are going to find out, I'm dyslexic, so I was in the LD growing up in the 80s, <laughs> so I got put in the special classes, and I was the only, quote-unquote, kind of normal person in there that didn't have any major issues yeah that's a lot to deal with when you're a kid oh yeah i could see that sure and and a lot of the other kids couldn't understand why i was in there yeah like why are you in with the special kids yeah yeah that's socially difficult already and i grew up with a way different thought process than most people yeah wow and i got picked on quite a bit but never one time had the thought, yeah, I'm going to go shoot up my school. Yes. Yeah, I forget how many. Yeah, go ahead. And I think it was because of the way I was raised. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, foilers. 
Ben and I need your support as we continue to work to grow it for God and increase the amount of listeners to the podcast. Here is what you can do to help. Head on over to our website, thetfhc.com, to take advantage of our conspiracy sale. All of our t-shirts are 20% off until the end of May. Also, we are excited to announce the foil has gone digital. That's right. From this point forward, you can now listen or watch every episode of the Tinfoil Hat Club podcast on YouTube, Rumble, or our website, thetfhc.com forward slash video. If you have questions after watching or want to reach out to us, be sure to send us an email, thedudes at thetfhc.com. Feeling charitable and want to give to the cause? Consider donating using our Cash App link, which can be found on our website. Last, come and be a part of the TFHC family on Facebook. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Rumble. And be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share with everyone you think would enjoy the podcast. Thanks to each of you for your love and support. Now, back to the show. Yeah, no, I think so. Sure. Yeah, this was like when you go back and and we'll go through the story for those of you that either do not remember because it's been so long or maybe you don't know the details of everything. Cause a lot of people don't know all the details of everything. It's chilling actually yeah. of the Columbine story. Cause I think it's really important for our discussion today. But uh, yeah, these, these kids were, when you go back and you look at all of these situations, clearly these people are not mentally sound Yeah, and they've have been able to have access to weaponry. That's, we just, the other thing too, is I don't, when I was growing up, were your guns locked up in your house? Your parents? We didn't have guns. Well, that makes sense for you. But like my dad didn't lock the guns up. What, what, it was just like, hey, here they are. Don't touch them. When my dad started ha- having kids, that's when he sold them. Hmm. He was afraid he was going to shoot you. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I can understand that. Like not from your perspective, but just being a parent myself now. But, but my brother had guns. <laughs> yeah, we... My, my kids grew up around guns, but I was pretty good about keeping them locked up too. Yeah. They weren't just like laying around. Yeah. It got a little looser as we got older just because there was not the curiosity, right, with it. Yeah. But like handguns and stuff were always typically locked up, locked, loaded, ready to go, secured in some kind of quick access safe. Yeah. Or something like that. But yeah, no, this is, that's crazy to think this year's 25, 25 years ago. Yeah. This happened. But yeah, this was this was in Columbine High School in Colorado. This happened on April 20th of 1999. So this was perpetuated by, I believe, two seniors. One of them was Eric Harris and the other was Dylan Klebold. And yeah, it even says here in the article, the shooting has inspired dozens of copycat killings dubbed the Columbine effect, including many deadlier shootings across the world. Columbine has kind of become synonymous with school shootings, unfortunately, but... What these guys decided to do, first of all, they amassed mass amounts of weaponry and kept them under their beds. And their parents were like, none the wiser to this, which is just insane to me. Yeah. I think that's another component of it, too. The societally, we have changed so much, even from the time that we were kids. We were pretty much the first generation where we were the latchkey kids, where both parents worked and we were left on our own to roam and do our own thing. Yeah. It made us very independent, but it also created situations for us to get into a lot of trouble because yeah. nobody was at home to oversee us. I remember, too, in the 80s, societally, we had this huge women's lib movement started to really happen, which goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where 
were taking the power and shifting it over to women and away from men. And granted, a lot of that stemmed from the fact that the men in charge were abusing their power. Oh, yeah. Clearly. So we had this societal shift, but I think even more over than that, and it was almost like if if you were a if you were a housewife in the eighties, you were it was almost like you were embarrassed to say that you were a stay at home mom. You were like shunned because you were contributing to the Neanderthalic yeah. manpower, women being put down kind of thing of the, of the times. But for me, I really go back to World War Two. I think that's when our country really started to make a, a shift in the negative direction. When you go back to World War II, what you had was while the guys were away at war, the women went and worked in the factories and stuff, right? So when the guys got home, a lot of the women didn't want to just go back to the kitchen. And I think a lot of the families were like, hey, that's, this is awesome. There's two incomes. Yeah. So if you're working and I'm working, we can make double the money. Imagine all the cool stuff we can have. Yeah. And so what happened was, is you started to have that happen. And then you had a a societal shift from an economic standpoint. And then from that point forward, we started to generally turn into a two income household society. And when you turn into a two income household society, there's nobody watching the kids. And we all know that those of us that have kids is if you're not watching your kids, they're going to get into trouble. Yeah. (laughs) And then we just started to have this really strange breakdown in society over time too where it wasn't like it was a very privatized yeah like it, it used to be like if i acted up over at your house your parents would get a hold of me and club me yeah and they would call my parents and then when i got home they'd club me for acting stupid over at your house yeah so i'd get tag teamed and it used to be the same thing in the school too like i was taught in school hey if you get in trouble at school that's going to pale in comparison to what happens when we get the phone call and you get home yeah and if you get caught being a jerk wagon in school, you're going to get it 10 times worse when you get here. And the only exception to that was if you're defending yourself. Yeah. Because that's different. But you better not be the one to instigate it, but you better be the one to, to put an end to it if, if it's the other person. And granted, with me, the rule was if they lay their hands on you. Yeah. If they lay their hands on you, then they're the green light, fair game. You can defend yourself. But other than that, you don't put your hands on people. Yeah, I was... Kids found out I was in karate and always wanted to fight me. I was in one fight. Yeah, you said that before, which is just that the boys are so stupid, aren't I they? Know. They're just dumb. We just can't help ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can take you. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Black Belt, I can take you. No, it wasn't, I wasn't doing karate to fight. I was just doing because it, it was fun. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. The first thing they'll teach you when you start doing karate is that it's not to be used as a weapon. Yeah. It's to be used as defense and, and more the learning lessons from it on discipline and things like that. But. Yeah, so you have these two kids, Eric Harris, Dylan Klebold. Now, they had they were picked on when they were the outcasts in the school. And so they had made the pact to go in and, and they were going to do this. And they had actually put stuff up on, I think it was AOL at the time, on some pages and stuff that they had. I don't think MySpace was out yet. It was before MySpace, but I think it was on some of yeah. their stuff. And they had pretty much put it out there, what they were wanting to do, and put some really cryptic posts up. Uh, after the fact, they went in and started pulling a lot of their like computer records and things like this and their diaries and stuff. And one of them had actually written in their diary how they wanted to hijack an aircraft and fly it into a building. Do you know that? No. Yeah. So this was literally in 1999. And lo and behold, a couple years later, we have September 11th. Yeah. All good ideas are born somewhere. Yep. 
So anyway, but they had made the original plan. Things did not go as planned on the day that they did the shooting. They, if things would have gone to plan the way that they had originally planned it out, it would have been far worse. They both had already planned to actually go to the school and around the school, there are a couple of grassy hill areas, raised knolls that they were going to sit on and then cause the kids to flee the school. They had placed like 99 bombs Holy cow. throughout the school or something along those lines. In addition to that, they had actually placed an explosive device on the other side of town in a field or a couple of them to start a fire. Because the intention was, if we can pull all the emergency personnel over to go deal with this fire, yeah. then we have longer that we can shoot people. Yeah. I mean, this is just like pure evil. They tested the bombs before they did this, and they worked great. They actually used a specific kind of wristwatch from a company. And when the hands would reach a certain time, they were made of metal, and it would yeah. cause the current to happen, and then the bombs would go off. So they literally ordered like a 99 or 100 of these wristwatches, all right? In between the time that they had tested their bombs and the wristwatches arriving, the company had decided in a cost-cutting measure to change the way they made the wristwatches. They changed the arms, the hour and minute hands, and they were now plastic and just spray-painted to look like they were metallic, so the bombs didn't go off like they'd hoped. And so that's when they went into the school and they started hand lighting yeah. them and throwing them. And then they went through the school and at the end of the day, 15 people and two of 13 people and then both of them dead. And we had 24 injured on top of that. Yeah. But that's why they went into the school because when the bombs were supposed to go off, they didn't go off. Now, the one I think on the other side of town did because they used one of the wristwatches they had yeah. left, I think, from the original batch that they bought. Yeah. And that actually did work. But that's why they went into the school. That was not their original intent. Wow. One of the two kids, I forget which one, whether it was Harris or Klebold, had been had a friend that they had a fight. And on the way that day, he ran into this kid the day of the shooting outside in the parking lot. And they had recently made up the kid had apologized to him and said, I'm sorry. And, and they made good. And whether it was Klebold or Harris, I don't remember looked at him and said, Hey, you need to not go in the school. You need to get out of here. We're good now. Hmm. And he's what? So he left. So he deliberately told him not to go in so that he didn't shoot him. Wow. And it's, when you go read this, the, the detailed story of what um, this was, it's just, it's absolutely disturbing. Now, thinking about this, <clears throat> I'm looking at it as like a, yes, they did a terrible thing. Yeah. But shouldn't we treat everybody the same? Not pick on people, not judge, not yeah. cast down. That's right. I'm not making an excuse, no, no but, but I'm saying it's not an excuse. Everybody, everybody misuses the term excuse. Now they confuse excuse for reason. Yeah. 
there's a reason why things happen. Yeah. I have had human beings, look, I've lashed out in anger before. I've punched a hole in a wall and I've done these things. And at the end of the day, I own that behavior because I'm the one that did it, right? Yeah. I own that. But I also have to be honest and we have to be honest about the human being was oh. pushing me to that point. Yeah. Right? I didn't just get there by myself. Yeah. I own the behavior because it's me. But at the same time, yeah. there was a reason why I did that. Yeah. No, so, and that's what I'm yeah, saying. Exactly. There, it's not just... There's pent up probably years of things not going or... Yes. And I remember one of my football coaches, he would always say the golden rule, do unto others. But he And they, every day he would say, he'd just, he would look at you and say, remember to treat people the way you want to be treated. Yeah, exactly. And I, I know that sounds cliche or kind of corny now. That is true. But... It it goes along. That's one probably the only thing I learned from school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we don't. We're we're in such a psychologically vulnerable and messed up place when we're kids, oh, especially yeah. like high school and teenage. Those yeah. teenage years, and you're just you're horrible. I remember this is terrible, but I'm gonna I'm gonna tell the truth here, and I'm ashamed to say it, but I got got to be honest about it and learn from it. I will never forget sitting in. I think it was our seventh grade classroom. And the way the school was designed, it was an older school and it had a terrace level to it. Yeah. So we were not on the first floor, but really the second floor. And it, it was like a one and a half floor. So it wasn't all the way down on the ground. It was more raised off the ground, but it wasn't like a true second story. And we had a kid in our class that we just picked on relentlessly, just treated him terrible, just treated him horrible. And the teacher was out of the class for a few minutes and we just were just riding this kid so bad. And he went over to the window and it was like the old school window that hinged in the middle. So he probably had to work at it, but he threatened to throw himself out the window. We're like, oh, go ahead, you idiot. You're just going to break your leg or whatever. And if you're lucky, you'll break your neck. And we were like egging him on to do it. And it was just, I look back at that and I'm like... Man, I wish I'd have been, I wish the me now would have been in there. Yeah. I would have gone up and smacked myself right in the mouth and dragged my own butt over the window and went, you want to jump out? Yeah. We're just so horrible when we're teenagers a lot of times and we don't think about, but then we turn around and we go meet me at the flag. Yeah. <laughs> when it's out, oh, she's awful. Yeah. But yeah. We don't think about the future. We just think about now. Yeah. And then like when you psychologically drive, and, and I don't know the home story of these two kids, but it wasn't probably the greatest. And you go like one of their dads was a military guy. Like he was a fairly high ranking Air Force guy, if I remember correctly. But yeah, I mean, they just, there was so much after what we got into afterwards, we started digging into the backstory of these two kids' lives. You can see clearly all of the, they're not, they weren't even breadcrumbs. It was like whole whole loaves yeah. that were laid on the ground that anybody with eyes to see yeah. should have been able to look and go, this was extremely red flag. Yeah. And we still have that kind of stuff happen. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that we teach everybody now is if you see something, say something. Yeah. Because very rarely do things happen where there's not any kind of weird... Yeah. Red flag stuff. Yeah. And, but from that point, I think we really, that was when we really started to societally, from the mass shooting perspective, really drop off the cliff. Yeah. And I think it's, 
I think it's interesting to me that, you know, that they had plans to hijack an aircraft. That is funny. And fly it into a building. <clears throat> and not more than two years later. That happened. That happens. Yeah. It's coincidental, is it not? Uh, I don't know. Anyway. You know, I, was, I was thinking about the scene from um, Billy Madison. Was it Billy? No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you talking Steve Buscemi where he's like, yeah, and he, he calls, calls him, him and he apologizes like, yeah, and he, he marks he his sorry. name off the list. Uh, yeah, here you go. So this was some of their writings. One of them, Harris, it looks like had been in trouble with the law a few times before. And he had gotten in trouble for breaking into a van, I think. And it says, shortly after the court hearing for the van break-in, Harris reverted his website back to just host hosting user-created levels of doom. Because that was another thing, too. This is one of the reasons the violent video games and all that. Yeah. Tipper Gore got behind this whole, all this crazy nonsense about the video games made him do it and everything. Huh. He began to write his thoughts down in a journal. Klebold had already been keeping a personal journal since March of 1997, so his buddy had already been keeping one. As early as November of that year, Klebold had mentioned going on a killing spree in his journal. Klebold used his journal to vent about his personal problems as well as what he'd wear and use during the attack. So this is a human being, and they'll tell you, like, it's like suicide, too. Yeah. When you make off-the-wall comments about suicide, you're not really at a risk for suicide. But it's the people that have actually thought through it, yeah. how they would do it. That's when you're at much greater risk of suicide. Yeah. Because a lot of times it's just for crying for help. Now, we should take all of it serious. I'm not trying to say we shouldn't, but that's when you really got it. So this kid is sitting around every day and he's literally going through and he's writing down in a journal how he wants to murder people. Yeah. And he does that day after day. And psychologically, that's going to desensitize you yeah. to the point when you finally are ready to do it. It's preparing you. It's just like military training. Yeah. You're training your brain. In both their journals, Harris and Klebold would later plot the attack. Soon after beginning his journal, Harris typed out one plan of attack, which included possibly escaping to a foreign country after the massacre or hijacking an aircraft at Denver International Airport and crashing it into New York City. Huh. Wow. Yeah. Harrison Klebold's schoolwork also foreshadowed the massacre. They both displayed themes of violence in their creative writing projects. In December 1997, Harris wrote a paper on school shootings titled Guns in School and a poem from the perspective of a bullet. Klebold wrote a sto short story about a man killing students, which worried his teacher so much that she alerted his parents. It's just, yeah. it, this just goes on and on. And we see this almost in every instance of mass shootings, but there is one exception. And that's what we talked about before we hit record that happened in Las Vegas. We, we alluded to it here at the beginning of the show too. Yeah. That one, they still have no motive for. They really have no motive for why that guy did that. He was trying to get rid of bro country. Oh my goodness. Sorry. Oh. Because it wasn't it like a bro country concert or yeah, something? Yeah, it was. Oh. Jason Aldean. Route 91 Harvest. Yeah, the music festival. But yeah, it was a country. It was a country music festival. Yeah. It was a. It was an empty lot that they'd been using for quite some time yeah. to do kind of music festivals and stuff. They've sold it off now to somebody else. But. Yeah. So yeah, he fired a thousand rounds and killed 60 people, wounded 413 thousand rounds 
I still don't know if it was just one person. Yeah, that's interesting too. The other really interesting uh, thing when you read the story of it, and I forget how I got onto this earlier before our show, maybe it was when we were writing down show ideas and I started just getting into this and doing some early research. I promise I'm not a crazy person that's going to shoot people. But the fascinating thing for me, and you could probably find this in every single instance in Columbine as well, I would bet, is when you read the survivor stories and you read how people responded and what happened during yeah. some of these where the people were able to be freed or taken to safety. And it's like when you read these, you can just see the hand of God yeah. in there working to protect people. Yeah. And unfortunately it's a horrible situation, but it just, you can, for me, when I read it, I'm like, that's crazy. You can just see the hand of God in there going, I'm here. I knew this was going to happen Yeah, and I'm going to help and I'm going to work through these people to do it. Yeah. Uh, the Joker, he said, you never, you really find out the person who a person is in their final few moments. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible too. How many of these guys obviously are prepared to commit suicide. Yeah. Um, they have no intention of being apprehended. Yeah. The only one, uh, that is recent, of any kind of the the most deadly shootings is actually the kid from Parkland. Yeah. He's the only one that did not commit suicide. Everybody else uh, has committed suicide. Yeah, this one here, it's, it's chilling when you go read about this guy. His name was Stephen Paddock, and he used a... He had 24 different firearms that he carried into the hotel in two huge suitcases. And that's where the whole bump stock thing came from because he had, he'd modified the weapons and to have the bump stock so that he could fire instead of semi-auto, he could fire automatic, which I have some controversial thoughts on that too. But <laughs> we shouldn't be limiting what kind of firearms that we can shoot. He should have just been able to get a fully automatic weapon. I'm not advocating for him killing people, but I'm just advocating for the fact that our gun rights oh, yeah. have been usurped by the various states and attempts by the federal government. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. I understand. Because the whole purpose of the Second Amendment, besides the militia, which is what we got into again two shows ago, you can go listen to that show, is so that we are on the same playing field, at least in some way, as our federal government. Now, yeah. the fact of the matter is, is like we're vastly like, because we've allowed them to hide so much stuff yeah. under the guise of protection of country. Yeah. There's a vast cavernous gap in technology between us and the yeah. federal government. Yeah. Unlike our forefathers that founded the country. Our forefathers? No. Yeah. More like 4,400 fathers. <laughs> no, I just had to say that joke. <laughs> No, it's crazy. Yeah, it's nutty. So, what was it up until nineteen in the thirties or forties? You could still buy a fully automatic gun. Yeah, out of the back of a comic book. <laughs> really? Yeah, I think you could buy. I want to say it was a belt fed. Uh, it could seeing, have been a Tommy too. I remember seeing Thompson ads. submachine gun. Yeah, that you could get those too. There's a lot of army surplus too. You could probably get a BAR. Yeah, I'd love to have a BAR. I know, me too. I think those are throwing like 308 rounds at yeah. you. It's a lot of ammo, a lot of lead. Yeah. Yeah, but this cat literally carried, uh, let's see, he had 14 AR-15s. He had eight AR-10s. 
for those of you that don't know, because we need to educate people, forgive me for this just because it's <laughs> ignorance of people. And I'm not saying our audience is ignorant, but I just, if you don't know, I'm going to, this is an important point because don't listen to people that don't know what they're talking about. AR does not stand for automatic rifle. Yeah. It stands for Armalite. Yes. It's the original designers of the rifle. Okay. AR-10, that's a 308. Yeah. And the 15, which you would think would be the more potent of the two, it's actually not. An AR-10 is typically firing more deadly rounds. Yes. Those are the equivalent of a 308 caliber. Yeah. And an AR-15 typically is chambered in. These are the typical chamberings. 223, which is a 22. Yeah, which is more of a 22, a traditional I know this rifle is, round, not a twenty-two like handgun round. Completely different. Kind of off topic, but not. Years ago, I was trying to figure out which gun to buy: a two-two-three or a an M1 carbine. Okay, yeah. And so I was doing all my research to figure out which, because I it wasn't about the gun; it was about the bullet with me. Now, just to, just for clarity on the carbine, just so so everybody understands what that is. In the in a traditional AR-10, AR-15, you're going to pull the trigger once. It's going to cycle the round automatically. Whereas a bolt action rifle, which he had some of those too, he had he actually had one 308 bolt action yeah. rifle. A bolt action rifle is like your traditional hunting rifle, where you're going to literally have a bolt that you're going to have to cycle the round yourself. Yeah, carbine is similar, where it will automatically cycle the round for you. Yes, but I got to looking the what the U.S. government decided. <laughs> So I was like, okay. <laughs> well, I can guarantee you based on the lead-in, it wasn't a good decision because it was preceded by U.S. government. Um, the whole design was, it wasn't to kill somebody, it was to injure somebody in the battlefield yeah. to get them off the battle. Yeah. That's all it was. So th- that's why they went with the 223. Yeah, my brother, uh, this, or the five five. they taught him this when he went into the military. And I'm glad to hear somebody else say this because now I know that it's not, I'm not remembering correctly from my youth. The thinking in that, because it's like, why would you not want to kill someone? The thinking in that is Ben and I go to war together, right? And we're fighting against someone else. If someone shoots me, but doesn't kill me outright, yeah, Ben now has to stop fighting to assist me. Yep. And play battlefield triage and probably one or two other people. Right? Yeah. So now we've taken four people out of the fight. If it's three people helping this soldier that's been shot, two, yeah. let's just say two people or even one person, right? You've taken people out of the fight. The other thing too is because now everyone is huddled to that location. Yeah. They are now prime targets. Yeah. So you can multiply this math over and over again. And that's the evil death math. Yeah. Which more like evil wound math. Yeah, and that's... It's pretty psychologically... Yeah. It makes a lot of sense, but it's pretty dark. Yeah, and so... But it's true. That's just how they do it. Yeah, and that and to me, that did not make any sense to me. As somebody... It's a war. You're supposed to kill people. No, just to injure them. No, yeah. Yeah, and that's why. And that's why they went with the 5.56. Five, yeah. Typically, the larger rounds are reserved for a sniper because a sniper is there to shoot you and stop yeah. you, right? And and a lot of the snipers and stuff are were using traditional hunting style yeah. bolt action rifles. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a couple bolt action rifles here. And he also had one revolver. That's it. He had a 38 caliber revolver. I have a backup. Yeah. <laughs> now I think that's strange that he didn't have any semi-auto like handgun or anything. I guess if you're rocking a... I mean, you're rocking some modified fully auto AR-10s and AR-15s. You don't really need to have a handgun. 
No. Or like a semi-auto handgun, a revolver will do. But yeah. Yeah. Crazy. He blew the window. He, he had a suite, which was like two rooms, I want to say, yeah. combined together. And he bolted the doors shut so that you they couldn't easily get in, get access. And I want to say he went and he actually screw bolted the access door in the hallway, like the stair access maybe. I think he might have screwed that shut too. Hmm. He couldn't do anything with the elevator, I don't yeah. think. But yeah, to make it more difficult to get to him, just to stop him. But yeah, it's just like he... What hotel was this? This was in the Mandalay Bay. That's a pretty one too. It really is. Um, they got obviously sued to the end of time for being negligent, which, which uh, I know that's a whole nother. No, the fact that he really wasn't seen going in carrying all this stuff. Okay. So he had it in suitcases. Okay. Let me, I'm, I'm fairly confident that's what I read, but, and the, uh, this area that he's shooting in was a couple 400 yards away. Yeah. I mean, it was a clip, right? And that's typically <clears throat> even, any of, the, any of these rifles that he has, just to share some information, ballistic information. When you're shooting that far away, it's not, he's just spraying bullets. Yeah, that's all he was doing. He actually, he was actually, the first few rounds were actually designed, he was getting sighted in, yeah. is what he was doing. And he had gone to ranges, I want to say, long distance ranges and had practiced before. But in this particular case, he's shooting down at an extreme angle, makes a difference. Everything makes a difference at that distance. And the other thing, too, is typically with any of these rounds, when you get over about, I don't know, 250, 300, probably more like 300 yards, the bullets start to drop quite a bit. Yeah, You're going to wind up just spraying as much as possible, which is pretty much what he was doing when you throw a 1,000 rounds yeah. into the crowd. That's insane to think that he shot a 1,000 rounds. Yeah. Thousand rounds of ammo. This went on for 10 minutes. Yeah. Wasn't he like running along the rooftop too? No. I think he stayed all in the room. I think he might have gone between the two rooms. But yeah. So this is crazy too. So he had a girlfriend. And again, the girlfriend is like, why didn't you say anything? (laughs) It's just crazy to me. Reading the story as it goes here, it says, according to his girlfriend, Paddock repeatedly cased Las Vegas Village from different windows in their room when they stayed at the Mandalay Bay a month before the shooting. Paddock also may have considered attacking previous events. He had researched large-scale venues in cities such as Boston since at least May 2017 and had reserved a room overlooking the 2017 Lollapalooza Festival in Chicago, but didn't use it. From September 17th, Paddock stayed at the Ogden in downtown Las Vegas, which overlooked an open-air Life is Beautiful festival that ran from September 22nd to 24th. Uh, Paddock's internet search terms from mid-September included SWAT weapons, ballistics chart for 308, which is why he did what he just did a second ago, telling how much bullet drop he would get, which is exactly what he was doing. SWAT Las Vegas, and do police use explosives? So what you can see there is he was trying to figure out how long he would have and what he needed to do to keep them from coming into the room. Yeah. Paddock arrived at Mandalay Bay on September 25th, 2017 and booked into room 32135, a complimentary room on the 32nd floor. Four days later, he also checked into the directly connected room 32134. Both suites overlooked the site of the concert at Las Vegas Village. 
During his stay at Mandalay Bay, Paddock spent much of his time gambling, usually at night. He interacted with employees more than 10 times, including twice on the day of the shooting. The MGM Resorts International spokesperson said that all interactions were normal in nature. Cell phone records show that he also made multiple visits to his home in Mesquite. With the help from Hotel Bellman, he brought five, five suitcases to his room on September 25th, seven on the 26th and two on the 28th, six on the 30th and two on October 1st. Holy cow. So yeah, what is that? Seven, eight, nine, five. So that's 14, 20. 22 suitcases over the span of about a week. September 30th, he placed do not disturb signs on the doors of both rooms. And we already talked about the weaponry. So yeah, he was firing from 10.05 to 10.15, 10 minutes constant. They said the only time the bullets didn't come is when he was reloading the guns. And he had a lot more, like rounds, obviously, than just a thousand. Now, did they take him out or... He shot himself okay. when the room was getting ready to get breached. So there, here's the backstory to that. Shortly before he started shooting, so this is at about 10 o'clock, hotel <laughs> security guard Jesus Campos was sent to the 32nd floor to investigate an open door alert. He attempted to open a door that provided immediate access to the floor, but found that it would not open. After Campos entered the floor, he discovered an L-shaped bracket screwed into the door and door frame which prevented the door from opening. After reporting the discovery to the dis- his dispatch center, he heard what was thought was the sound of rapid drilling coming from 132-135 and went to investigate the matter. At approximately 10.05 p.m., he was hit in the right thigh by one of about 35 bullets that Paddock fired through the door of his suite. After Campos was hit, he took cover in the alcove between the rooms and immediately informed hotel radio or informed the hotel by radio and cell phone that he had been shot, though he believed he'd been shot with a BB or pellet gun. At the time, maintenance worker Stephen Shuck was on the floor, same floor, to fix the door that Campos had reported being barricaded. The already wounded Campos encountered Shuck and told him to take cover. Shuck contacted hotel dispatchers over his radio, informed them of the ongoing shooting, and told them to call the police. Neither Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department nor MGM Resorts International, the Mandalay Bay's owner, have confirmed when the information about the initial shooting was relayed to the police. That's interesting in and of itself, but... So, yeah, he used a hammer to break the windows. When we stayed in Las Vegas, we stayed at the Golden Nugget, and our window opened. That's an old hotel but I'm surprised they still have windows that'll open. It slid all the way open. So you could just plunge. We were on the 25th floor. Because most modern hotels, you can't, they've designed yeah. them so that you can't and kill like, yourself. Please keep the window Or closed. the kids can't fall out. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. That was 2014 when we were At what, what floor? You the say? 25th floor. 25th, yeah, you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, again, coming from the safety world for all those years, the government typically uses like OSHA. Yeah. OSHA uses four feet. So anything over four feet, they typically tell you you have to have some kind of fall protection because literally a fall from four feet can kill you Yeah, if you land on your neck and stuff. Yeah. Right? It doesn't take much. You can generate enough force from a, that just short distance to, and to kill yourself. Yeah. So you can imagine 250, 300 feet, you're going to be. Yeah. Soup. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't typically end well. <laughs> it's like Hank Williams Jr. Hank Williams Jr. fell 
500 500 feet yeah i want to say and lived and yeah that's why he's got the beard and stuff now because he mangled his face so bad yeah yeah that's a crazy story 500 feet man yeah Whew. yeah that's that's miracle stuff there so yeah he actually he tried to there was a there were some jet fuel tanks behind the festival right there because mccarran airport is yeah. like right there yeah he actually shot the tanks on purpose to try to ignite the jet fuel, but jet fuel doesn't, you got to work to ignite jet fuel. It's not that easy. Yeah. A bullet's not going to do it. But yeah, he yeah. was trying to blow up the tanks. Yeah, that's. But when the police and, and the FBI supposedly started digging into all this, they're like, they really can't find any motive. Other than he's just probably clearly a psychopath. Yeah. Do you think these people are demon possessed at this particular point? Yes. When you get to this point? Yeah. I've always struggled with the insanity plea. Yeah. Because I'm like, clearly you're insane if you're going to kill people. So what? I don't understand that. And what are we going to do with an insane person anyway? I'm going to say this. I was watching a thing of Penn Jillette. Okay. And he said, try to do this in the Bible Belt, like down south. And he said, they believe in God. God talks to people, everything. He said, but when it comes to somebody going to court saying, God told me to kill them, they're crazy. Yeah. He said, what's the difference? What's the difference? I agree with him. It's, that's the thing. They have to be some kind of. No, no person in their right mind does that, right? Yeah. Not with this kind of premeditated malice. Yeah. Because in both instances that we've covered today, and we could spend the next 45 days remember nonstop going through just the last few years of mass shootings, right? As in the days of Noah. As in the days of Noah. That's right. God told us how, and so did Paul. And yeah. you go read the New Testament. Go read New Testament, Old Testament, whatever you want, right? Like you're going to, doesn't make any difference. You're going to read it over and over again, the wickedness and the evil the evil yeah. of people. Because he knows his time is short. He does. And I don't, it, people read that and he's cast down and he, I believe he's been here the whole time and he's just wreaking as much havoc as he can. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. No yeah. doubt about it. And I think people are, are because of, of what we started talking about, because of how far we have fallen away from God, it makes this stuff that much more easy to accomplish. Yeah. But it does not take much to cause all of these problems. Maybe we do need somebody, a priest or somebody out blessing people. It wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah. I'm trying to look it up and I, I wish I had done this before we got in here, but this kind of takes us to, to part three of our discussion today. I think we've covered the mass shootings and, and this and that. The, the two, two big ones anyway. <clears throat> and, and this is a continuing trend. The only time here recently where we've seen it drop was actually through COVID because yeah. everybody was home. So like it, it, the target, always in the military, you hear the term target rich environment, right? Yeah. The target rich environments have been diluted yeah. heavily because yeah. everyone's at home, right? But the real question is, as we continue this trend upward, we've talked about some of the reasons why the societal collapse, the falling away from God, the devil having his day, the evil of people, the ability to be possessed. 
is there a third component to this of are some of these things happening because the powers that be want them to happen to try to get guns? Oh, I've always believed that. And I think we need to have that discussion. Yeah. Because I think that, and this is where the conspiratorial side comes in, but I don't know that it's really that far of a thing. Because it's always think of the children. (laughs) That's what they normally go for. Yeah. Like when we go through the Sandy Hooks and we go through the, yeah, all these different school shootings, the Parklands and And the 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 movie theater and all this. Yeah, but especially the school shootings. Yeah, it's the children. It's the, how could we not, uh, we don't need any more of our our poor babies to die, but then we want to fight to keep abortion. Yeah. (laughs) So that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's crazy. It doesn't make, none of it makes any sense. And I was trying to, to find some of this because one of the things that you can see, and you hit it earlier, was it's to me... We know the evils that our government is capable of. We know for a fact that they have done experiments on people like MKUltra to learn how to break and control, control being the key, a human mind. Yeah. We watched the show, The Manchurian Candidate, right? And that's basically what that is, is this person that's been psychologically programmed But the CIA, and I can't remember the name of the operation that they did, that what they, this is, and you go read this, go look it up and find it. And if I find it here while we're talking, I'll share the name of it. But they took this girl and they worked on her and worked on her and hypnotized her to a point where they actually were able to put an earpiece into her ear and have her take a bomb in a suitcase, like a briefcase, into a restroom open it, prepare it, close it, and carry it and put it wherever they needed it to go. Wow. They had psychologically been able to manipulate her this much. That's crazy. And that's just with hypnosis, supposedly. So like when you go to MKUltra, a lot of people don't know this. Uh, You can go watch, there's a Ted Kaczynski documentary right now on Netflix or some one of the major deals. And you can go read it and... There, no, I guess it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a unique. It was on unexplained, I think. But when that he totally skipped over the fact that he was an MK Ultra kid, huh? He was in. I wondered. He went through MK Ultra. That is confirmed. Like he was a part of. They they claim voluntarily. Because they were going to college campuses and they were yeah, because he was very intelligent too, extremely intelligent. Yeah. But he became very deluded with technology and society and went out and got his cabin. And what really set him off was people were coming out there on their bicycles and planes were flying over and he just felt like he couldn't get away from the technology. So then he started doing the mail bombs, taught himself how to make bombs and started doing the mail bombs. Yeah. And then it obviously ramped up. They finally caught him, but this went on for a couple decades. Yeah couple of decades. He was really started off by targeting universities, Northwestern, I think. And then he did one after some judges and stuff. Yeah, I think something like that. Which I just remember the Saturday Night Live skit of Will Ferrell planning when they caught him. 
goodness gracious. <laughs> Sorry. He's oh. finally, ah, uh, I was really lonely, guys, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, it's terrible. Sorry, my mind always goes. Now, but when we look at this stuff, is like, are these people the Sandy? And the other thing, too, is like when you see these people and you look in their eyes, you can just see the vacancy. Yeah. Pictures of them or whatever. And you can just see the shark eyes. Yeah. That just black blackness. Yep. And they're just demon nothing. Yeah. Psycho. Psycho. Have we gotten, has the government gotten these people and is this a ploy to get the guns? Because if you can get the, that's the last thing that's standing in the way of total totalitarianism by our government. Yeah. Is get the guns. Yeah. That pesky second amendment. We do everything we can to violate it on the outskirts, but it's written at least strong enough where... They can't totally get it. Yeah. Which if you want a little history dive, you can thank my heroes, the anti-federalists, for your right for free speech and your right to bear arms because originally we didn't have any of that stuff. Yeah. And they absolutely screamed and cried that we needed to control the power of the federal government. So the first 10 amendments to the Constitution were were your Bill of Rights and that was all from the anti-federalists that we should have listened to. Yeah. Because they said we needed to limit the power of the government. And we really, yeah. Good old Alexander Hamilton, (laughs) (sighs) the leader of the Federalist Party. Yes. He was. He was such a jerk. I know. Why is he on the $10 bill? Why does he get a multicultural Stephen Sondheim song and dance thing? I don't know. Yeah. it, It goes back to saying, watch who your heroes are. Yeah. Everybody gets more uh, deified in death. Yes, they do. It's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, it's, do, you, do you think that, do you think it's happening for that reason? Do you think it's a ploy to come and get the guns? I think it is. It's, what did Jesus say? Sell, sell a cloak. Get a sword. Everybody always goes that Jesus was nonviolent. Jesus he said, if we have a sword, and he said, that's good enough. He said, a sword. If you have a one gun, that's good enough. Yeah, that's good enough. You can stop somebody from doing a bad thing. Yeah, because it wasn't him too that he was sitting with them. And I forget what he was talking about, but it was was one of the parables. And he said, if the homeowner would have known that what time the thief would be coming, would he have not have stopped him? Yeah. How are you going to stop him? Yeah. You're going to just chew him out? Yeah. No, you're going to have to use force. Yeah. The other thing too is Christ said, if you've seen, if you've seen the father, then you've seen me Yeah, and we can go back and we can look and God's obviously has, isn't nonviolent. Am <laughs> <laughs> I wrong here? Yeah. Jesus got violent. Yes. He, what I love about that was he took the time to make a whip. It said he made a whip and he drove them out of the temple. Oh. Oh, talking when he's overturning the temple the yes. tables and stuff. Yes. Oh, I don't remember the whip part. Yes. He took time to make a whip. <laughs> I think he's, he fashioned a whip or something. Uh, let's see. We're talking uh, Matthew 21. Yeah. So let's pull up Matthew 21 while we're talking here. But yeah. So now if your Jesus is a pacifist. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't, it's, it's not accurate. Is he telling you that you should do that at all at every turn that you can? Yeah, absolutely. We're yeah. supposed to be people of nonviolence. We should, what that means is we shouldn't be seeking out violence. Yes. 
we should be prepared. I like it's like the line from Roadhouse. Someone that's willing, that's looking for a problem, isn't as much of a problem as someone who's ready for it. I've never seen Roadhouse. No, so, so there you go. You can go watch the remake. It's getting ready to come out. <laughs> oh, so, oh no, from my naughty years. But <clears throat> yeah, let's see. We Jesus clears the temple. So this is Matthew twenty-one twelve. Jesus entered, the, and I'm reading from the NLT. So forgive me for that. <laughs> Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables for money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Uh, The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law said, uh, saw these wonderful miracles and even heard the children in the temple shouting, praise God the son of David, but the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, did you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. Haven't you ever read the scriptures? For they say you have taught children and infants to give you praise. So um, it's also John. Mark, I believe, is what I read here. Let's see. Mark 11, 15 and verses 15 and 18. So let me pull up Mark 11. We'll scroll down to verse 15. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He stopped everyone from using the temple in the marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple be called out a house of prayer for all nations, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. Then, of course, they're like, we got to kill him. So they plan on killing him. And then, let's see. Oh, John 2.14. So we'll go to John 2.14. All right. It was nearly time for Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem in the temple area. He saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and the cattle, scattered the money changers' coins all over the floor, and turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who sold the doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered his prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. But the Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? If God gave you the authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. You should have struck them all dead. <laughs> <laughs> Which we went to go see the chosen last night. I seen your picture. Yeah. So yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. They skipped over the transfiguration. I was a little bummed. Oh, they did. Maybe they're going to revisit that, like in a flashback sequence or something. Yeah. But we went to Cesare Philippi. Yes, we did. Did they bring some stuff up? You don't want to give it no, away. No, no, not like you and I would have been happy yeah. to see. Yeah, that's okay. But uh, yeah, that's okay. We'll see if maybe we, how, yeah. what we do with it. Yeah. Because clearly somebody's been, there's been some other things in that show that I've been watching. I've talked about this before. Yeah. Whereas, like, man, we were getting some extra biblical text there, I can guarantee you. Yeah. We got into some stuff, so. No, but I think it is a, Jesus tells us to be one way and to be prepared. That's right. And the world and Satan and his demons want us to be another way. They want us to kneel and be subservient to them. But if you're free in Christ, you live. Yeah, it's difficult, too, because, like... I wouldn't put it past our government for two seconds to deliberately stage mass shooting of our children. Oh, that's sad. Even if you think I'm crazy, 
in saying that. The fact that I'm even considering it's a possibility. Yeah. And I think if you took a poll, I think a lot of people would probably fall on that side if it's a possibility. Yeah. That we would actually think that they would consider doing that. Yeah. The fact that we would even think that they were capable of that tells yeah. us everything we need to know. Yeah. This here election this year is going to be pretty consequential for our future. I uh, think. Oh, yeah. If there's an election. If, <laughs> if there's an election. Yeah. So, yeah, when you look at these stories, man, and like they, they have no idea why the guy in Las Vegas did what he did. Columbine kids, okay, clearly you yeah. can see they were picked on. Pretty obvious. I don't think we needed to have a lot of things in there. But in the Las Vegas situation, it's yeah. when how convenient is it that we have that happen and then, oh, we start going after bump stocks because those were illegal. Yeah. He was allowed to illegally obtain modifications to the rifles to make them so that they would fire fully automatically. And... Yeah. All this and that. And it's so now you're going after the, you know, it's all a pathway. Yeah, it is. The other thing, too, is most people don't know that AR doesn't stand for automatic rifle. I know. I've seen politicians that even will go after the weapons and they'll say that yeah. AR stands for automatic rifle. Yeah. I know. It's ridiculous. Or an auto, they'll say an automatic machine gun. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's not. You don't even know what you're talking about. I know. Like, you've never seen one up close. You've never fired one. Listen, it's a tool. Yeah. And we look around too, you know, we look around and go to Nice, uh, to the event in Nice where the crazy dude decides he's going to get in a van and drive through the crowd. Yeah. And he kills however many people. Yeah. Or wherever there's a heart of evil, they're going to find a way that's to exactly destroy. Right. That's exactly right. Started all the way back. What did Cain do? He didn't have a knife. He didn't have a gun. He he's just decided rock. to beat him with a rock. Good enough. Yeah. You know, your hands are capable of all the evil you can ever accomplish. Yeah, they are. It's who lives inside you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And are are you of the devil or are you of God? No, that is a, that's a big question. We're, Probably first John. I think so. We're one it's or chapter basically, two. basically, if, yeah, it, I think it was, I think it might've been first John. Yeah. Probably chapter one, chapter two. I think whichever one only has one chapter, I want to say it was what it was. Oh, okay. So that'd be two or three. First or second or third second John. John. Long story short, we've, and again, we, I think we've mentioned it before, but it says if, if you're doing evil things, then you're of the adversary and you're of, yeah, you're the antichrist. That's, if that's where your heart is, then you're the antichrist. Yeah. Pretty cut and dry. Yeah, you are. <clears throat> so, yeah, let's pull up the, now some of these two words, I know we're not, we're, this wouldn't be considered a, a mass shooting more of maybe, I guess, a terrorist attack, but I don't know. But he, this was in uh, July of 2016. He killed 87 people. Wow. He killed 87 people with a truck. 19-ton cargo truck, deliberately driven into crowds of people celebrating Bastille Day on the Promenade des Anglis in Nice, France resulting in the deaths of 86 people and the injury of 434 others. Wow. Yeah. He was a Tunisian. So the Islamic State instantly claimed, now I know we're getting into terrorism here, but like we talked about, it's the heart of evil. Yeah. And I, I am sorry to say this, but I do not think that any entity has a greater heart of evil than our federal government. Yeah. They're evil enough. We're willing to have a conversation that they're actually evil enough to plan out terrorist events or mass shootings or anything like that and deliberately take their own citizens' lives 
Yeah. To move forward with their plans and their cause. Yep. That is evil incarnate. Yeah. And we can see that. Like we can go read. Okay. Here's another great example. Go read freedom of information documents, right? You can go find them right now. Go look up Operation Northwoods or Northwinds. I forget which one it is. Where it was they wanted to hijack planes to and pin it on the Cubans. Yeah. To make it look, to get the American people favorable to go into war with Cuba. Yeah. And even shooting down stuff, it's just disturbing. Yeah, I know it is. And my thing is, we go to war with all these countries yep. on the other side of the world, mm-hmm. but we don't even help the countries that are close to us. No, yeah. <laughs> no. Cause we don't care. They have nothing to offer us. That's why. No, yeah, exactly. We just use them. Yeah. Yeah. It's the other thing too, is that I found interesting from what we were talking about earlier when it comes to Mexico, right? You said that they have, <laughs> and she was talking to like her family down there, who are Mexican. Like yeah. they're not just down there. Like yeah. they're Mexican. Yeah. And they had no interest whatsoever of coming to America. No, none of them do. And they're saying that the vast majority of people who are crossing the border are probably not even Mexican. Yeah. They're, they're some other nationality that are just using oh, yeah. the border to get across. Yeah. Go figure. They do want to come here for the money. Yeah, because we're rich. Yeah. It's like her cousin, he, he asked... Oh, he was playing Xbox and he goes, where's the best place I can sell stuff around here? Like in Mexico. And they said, America, you'll get the best money. Yeah. And he said, I don't want to go to that. <laughs> We're going to be involved in a mass shooting when we go up there. Yeah. That's probably what they think, right? They think like mass shootings are waiting around every corner. Yeah, they do. They really, they think that's all that's on the news that they, they see. They have the shootings everywhere. Yeah. And, and, and that's another thing too, is we've already identified, I think long before, long ago that the media is controlled by the government and the powers that be in this country. Oh, so they are going to perpetuate whatever their goals are. Yeah. And cause the first way to get this stuff to stop is to stop giving it press. And she asked them about the cartels. Yeah. And they said, nobody down here can afford the drugs. That makes sense. Oh, that they take them to America. Yeah. Yeah. And they said they... They're they, not going to make any money down there. No, they said if somebody's on meth or heroin there, they consider them lost. They're done. You just... Bye-bye. Yeah. Wow. That's another thing, too, is I think we've had, uh, for a long time, we've had this thing where we have to keep trying to save people. And yeah. I always come back to the thing here recently in the last few years where... Christ's words where it's like, hey, cast and smack the dust off your feet. Yeah. If they don't want to listen to you, don't waste your time. Yeah. Solomon, was it Solomon, I think, that said, don't cast your pearls before the swine? Yeah. Don't give them your best stuff because they, they don't care. They don't listen. Yeah. You're wasting your time and your air. It's like, you're not going to change anybody's mind on Facebook. No, you're not. If you want to change somebody's mind, I wrote this down here recently. If you want to change somebody's mind, you got to start by changing their heart. Yeah. Starts with a relationship. Yep. Starts with a relationship. And if you, until you change somebody's heart, you're never going to change their mind. Yeah. And if somebody doesn't have a heart for God, then they're not going to be godly. No. But if they have a heart for wickedness and evil, then that's what they're going to produce. They're going to produce the fruit of wickedness and evil. And they're going to go take, what do we say? 20 suitcases into a hotel and smash out windows 
and fire a thousand rounds on a crowd and then shoot themselves because they just are that filled with wickedness. Yeah. Evil. Evil. Pure evil. Evil continually. Yeah. As in the days of Noah. As in the days of Noah, my friend. Not a cheery one today, Ben. No. But I think it's important to have it. We were talking to Super Bowl Sunday and we see these things and obviously we'll probably do another show on terrorism because that's a whole nother. Yeah. That's a whole nother ball of wax we can get into and talking about some facts and zeroing in on what did happen two years after Columbine. Yeah. That's another thing too is I think we've chatted about this before too, where we've talked about how we can clearly see that Hollywood will foreshadow the things that they're planning on doing. Cause I think like what in that verse in Amos God reveals his plan to the prophets. Oh, yeah. But and whether I, they're good or bad. <laughs> we watched a show the other day called The Black Files. It's like a whole show with a guy's former CIA, and he's going around, he's investigating the different black file, black programs that the government has and they that they do. And he was talking about they had a meeting with Michael Bay and Oliver Stone and different... Hollywood directors and screenwriters and asked them to script out how a good terrorist attack on us and on America so that they could do contingency planning for it. Wow. It was like they wanted the creativity because they weren't yeah. creative enough to come up with some of these things. Now they are. Yeah. It's just, I think what from that is, and they've, there's another show on there where they were talking about advanced technology that they've seen in the movies and the military's literally gone, that's a really good idea. We can do that. And they didn't think of it until they saw it come from Hollywood. So you can clearly see it's a two-way street. Yeah, They use Hollywood to foreshadow and telegraph what they're going to do, but then they also steal from Hollywood when they see an idea. I'm still waiting for Transformers to come down. Ah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like it's, you, you just look at this and you're like, did someone go, Hey, that's a good idea. That's where the cell phone came from was Star Trek, wasn't it? Oh, was it? The flip phone. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. I love how we're going back to flip phones now too. It's so weird. Like I know. we do this weird, this is crazy psychological. I know. Yeah. The AI and everything. That's another show in and of itself. Yeah. Some of the things that are going on there, but yeah, not a cheery subject today, my friend. No, but it was, hopefully the Super Bowl goes off without a hitch. Don't really care who wins. Just want to see a good game. I guess I would rather see San Francisco win, but I'm tired of Kansas city. <laughs> They've worn me out. We could do a whole show on the conspiracies, the conspiracies in, the in the NBA and the, all the sporting world. Yes. And, and that's the thing too, of like, now that they have allowed gambling, oh. because it was for a long time, they refused to allow gambling. Yeah. They didn't want to have anything to do with the gambling. And then somebody said, you know how much money you're missing out on? And they were like, you know what? I think we can loosen the rules a little bit. Yeah. And they let Oakland move to L.A. Because L.A. was desperate to get any kind of sports team. and Or Las Vegas, rather. Sorry. I think I said L.A. Yeah. Las Vegas was yeah, desperate. So that's why they moved? Yes. Okay. Because the minute that they did that, they're like, okay, let's just go ahead and do it. So they let the Raiders move from Oakland into Las Vegas. And that same time frame there, they were like, okay, we're going to embrace gambling. That's why you got all the gambling ads now oh, for DraftKings. It's, it's, it's and, ridiculous. Yep. It's ridiculous. Which is, you know, 
there's nothing that says that you can't gamble in the Bible, but obviously if it's some kind of vice to you, just like drinking or... But the the two commercials that are most are prescription drugs and gambling, because that's the (laughs) biggest money makers in the U.S. It is, yeah. I've got... I recently had a thing going on with my leg and I refused. I'm not going to, cause I know what the traditional methods would be to treat it. And I'm like, I went and I did a lot of research and I looked at all natural ways to do all the things that I needed to do. And I started doing them and I'm improving. Yeah. Because God gave us everything we need naturally. Yeah. And I don't trust the pharmaceutical companies. I wasn't an anti-vaxxer before. Uh, oh, now we're going to get banned. But now I am. Oh, you just did it. Gladly. Yeah, end of the show. Yeah, no, I don't. We're off YouTube now. No, whatever. <laughs> Screw tube. <laughs> nah, I don't think we went far enough to, we'll see. There's always rumble. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we did it, right? We knew. It's right. So anyway, hopefully everybody enjoys the Super Bowl today. If you watch, that's great. And if you don't, that's great too. Because I can understand your stance when we decided we didn't want to stand for the national anthem or whatever. Everybody's got to, you're entitled to your to your stance. Yeah. No problem. But yeah, mass shootings are, we're going to have more. Yeah. It's a guarantee. They're going to keep doing this until they can figure out a way to win over. Got to win the hearts, right? Because if you can win the hearts, then you can change the minds. Yes. And then you can get them to give up their guns voluntarily. And once you give up your guns voluntarily, yeah. welcome to Nazi Germany. Yeah. Yep. Welcome to 2020 Australia, where they can come in your house and arrest you because you agreed with somebody on Facebook. Yeah. No. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. That's where Christ told me to have a sword at the ready. Yeah. Not going to happen. Yes. Because if you're willing to do that to me, what are you will- what are you not willing to do? Yeah. That's a tough one. That's a tough situation from a Christian, from Christianity standpoint. Yeah. But, all right. With that, we will uh, call it a day on this show, and we will catch you next time on The Foil. Take care. Bye. I told you. Oh, my God.